Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute and across the Living Faith Fellowship. In today's episode, uh, we're going to be discussing uh, what it means to be biblically literate or biblically logical. In other words, uh, how is it that in a world as crazy and as chaotic as the one that we live in, how is it that we can see the world from God's perspective, from God's eyes, from God's vantage point, particularly knowing that the world sees things a completely different way? They use a completely different system of logic, one that's uh, pluralistic, relativistic, and secular at, at heart. And so we're going to be having a conversation today with Pastor Kenny Morgan of Midtown Baptist Temple and the instructor in the speech and reasoning course here at LFBI. We're going to be having a conversation about what it means to be logical in the way that we approach God's word and the way that we see all of the conflict and confusion and complexities of the world around us. And so welcome, Pastor Kenny Morgan. Hey, thank you for having me again. It's uh, always great to hang out with you, but so even here as well. Even behind a mic? Uh, yes. You prefer it just in our office yes. hanging out. Yes. yes. But but the mic is good. The mic People is good. People can listen. It's in. useful. Yeah. It's useful. Um, so I want to start by just giving you an opportunity to talk about yeah. what the speech and reasoning class is about. What are, mm -hmm. what are the objectives of the course? So b before addressing that, I, I do want to clarify just your opening. Okay, uh, go ahead. You, People you, like to correct me on the show. I'll, yes. Go, go ahead. Yes, I will gladly do that. So... <laughs> Yeah, um, you said that I am the the teacher of the speech and reasoning class, but the truth is, is you did as much heavy lifting as I did, and this class I couldn't have pulled it off without your help. So well, you were a tremendous blessing, and um, we talked a lot, yeah, and talked through a lot, and you absolutely helped me build this class and form it and design it. And then not just that, but you taught so very well in the class. So well, your, your contributions were invaluable and much appreciated. Well, thank so you I for saying sure we that. Get that out. I appreciate it. Um, also in the class, Pastor Dan Renault Absolutely. joins us and uh, Pastor Sam Miles also has a lecture in the course. And so it was a, a fun collaborative work and it's there's a lot of really heavy, big topics oh, yeah, uh, to address. And so maybe you can explain to the listeners a little bit about what we put together and why we did it and, and what the intentions were. Sure. So our, our goal from the beginning was to expose our students to the isms of man that mm -hmm. we often find in the philosophical systems of man. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to expose our students to the fallacies of those isms, right? Mm -hmm. And then we also wanted to expose our students to the men behind those isms. right? So as much as we could, we, we did kind of a high level deep dive. Yeah. That sounds like a contradictory statement, I know, but, but we exposed the students to a lot of men, philosophers over the years who have been very influential and how we have got to where we are today. Mm -hmm. And so what we wanted to do is, is we wanted to inform our students in a way where they could understand now, not only what people think, but why are they thinking that way? Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? And what's wrong with that right. biblically? Okay. Yeah. And then of course, on the back end of that, we wanted to equip our students to be able to address those things in conversations with the lost, mm -hmm. to be able to navigate those discussions in a way, because it absolutely helps. If I not only know what you believe, 
but I know why you believe it right. and where that came from. That only equips me now to yeah. be able to have those discussions in a way that can navigate people mm -hmm. to the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. So. And one of the very first lectures that we do in the class is addressing this topic of logic. Yeah. And uh, so maybe you can explain for us, there's a, you know, there's a bunch of definitions in this course. Mm -hmm. I think we have maybe somewhere over a hundred yeah. different definitions or vo vocabulary words in our yeah. glossary. And so uh, this word logic is mm -hmm. one we use a lot, especially in the very first lecture. Maybe you can explain mm -hmm. to us what logic is when we say that. Yeah, it sounds so basic, right? Logic, right. everyone knows what logic is, yeah. right? It's interesting though, but so believers and unbelievers alike, I mean, this is something that is very second nature to mm -hmm. us, right? We, we are all at our core, we're all logicians, yeah. which is a word I learned from you, logician, <laughs> okay? It was a very good word. But in other words, this is this is how people live. We mm -hmm. we make decisions just day to day based on logic. So if it's if it's pouring out, if it's pouring rain, well then I'm gonna go outside, I'm gonna carry an umbrella. That's right. just a logical thing to do. Yeah. So if we wanna get technical though, when we're talking about defining logic, logic simply adheres to a strict set of of principles that adhere to validity. Mm -hmm. Okay. So so we 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 it's like a, another way to say it is it's very sensible. Right. It, it's very ordered. And so principles and truths build upon each other, very cause and effect. Right. OK, so because of this, then this is how I respond to that or this is what I do. So logic, I would say at a high level, it adheres to a set of principles that are valid. OK, so with validity, I mean, there's valid and invalid conclusions mm -hmm. that one can draw right. um, and there are valid and invalid arguments that one can make. Mm -hmm. And so maybe explain the relationship between between having a uh, a strong system of logic or rationale. What's the relationship between that and the decision making that human beings make from day to day? Yeah. So if if we're if we're if we're thinking about logic, it's it, it comes down to even with a lost person, well, what makes sense? Mm -hmm. So based on what makes sense, then that dictates what I do or don't do, mm -hmm. right? So if, if, it, if it doesn't make sense, well, then I'm not gonna go that way. If it does make sense, well, then yeah, I'm gonna make that decision because that's rational, it's logical, it follows a, a, a scientific system of thought, if mm -hmm. you would, that essentially guarantees a right outcome or conclusion. Mm -hmm. And so again, believers and unbelievers alike do this all day, every day, all the time. So maybe explain to us what are some of the core traits of making an a valid mm -hmm. or an invalid argument. What sure. are some of the traits associated with that? Yeah, so so I'll, I'll try and, and answer both and as I, as I go through. But so when we're talking about making valid arguments, there there are some core components that mm -hmm. that I think we as believers need to be very mindful of when we're having evangelistic discussions with the lost in mm -hmm. particular, right? About whether it's atheism or humanism or whatever it might be. Right. But I think it starts with when, when you're looking to make valid arguments, you've got to start with a strong premise. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when we're talking about starting with a strong premise, we're talking about a factual statement or factual statements that are so strong to the point where the conclusion has to be valid, mm -hmm. right? It has to be correct, all right? right? So so we have to start there. 
The next thing that I think is very important if we're going to make valid arguments is that we have to be objective. Mm-hmm. And, and I think over, over the years, it's just an observation that I have that I think sometimes, and it's by well-meaning believers who are, are trying to do the very best that they can to encourage someone, win someone to, to faith in Christ, which is only good. Mm-hmm. But to be objective means that we have to consider all the data. Right. We got to we got to we got to consider everything that we can work with and not just be subjective. In other words, if I'm dealing with an atheist, it is only in my best interest to make sure that as I'm making my argument that I am addressing things that I know he's thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, from his perspective, try to get into their head. Exactly. Yeah. Because I I need to know up front or know as much as I can what are his objections mm-hmm. and why does he have those objections? Because no matter what I'm saying, that's where he's at. Right. And so the moment that he gets to speak or weigh in in the conversation, that's where he's going. Mm-hmm. And so it's important for us. Obviously, we, we know what the Bible says. We know what we believe and we need to be intimate and strong with that. But it's only to our detriment if we just exclude ourselves from where they are. Right. And so let's be objective. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's 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 address as much as we can as it pertains to this topic. And then I think the third part is is to be logical. Mm-hmm. Is to make sure that okay, so we we start with a strong factual premise, mm-hmm. but as we engage in and throughout the argument, we continue building on that. Yeah, and so logically, we continue making points along the way that strengthen the conclusion we want to get to. Yeah, that's good. And I think a lot of times Christians they approach uh, the lost um, and they engage the lost in a way that lends itself to lots of like cliche and very biased statements and so we 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 pick up you know as we grow i mean it's kind of you know in your youthfulness Mm -hmm. of christianity you picked up pick up on statements or ideas Um, they haven't necessarily all been vetted but you just Mm -hmm. kind of own them and they're in your back pocket and when you engage with the lost you lean on a lot of those cliches sometimes in your in your evangelical arguments or your reasoning or even the way the lens in which you see the world and I think it really is important to gain other people's perspectives yes. because it only sharpens our ability to use God's word in response to the way the world sees things. So the world thinks this, I understand that now. What does the Bible say? Okay, now my perspective on what scripture says about that topic is only that much stronger. Yeah. You make a great point and and as you were as you were describing that I I was thinking, you know, before I came on staff full time, obviously I had it I worked in the secular world mm-hmm. for many many years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I had to learn the hard way was lost people, they don't speak church speak. No. <laughs> they they don't. Mm-mm. You know, so I work with people who have MBAs and I mean, these are very intelligent people, very logic driven mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And so some of the cliches and things that I would say to you that make perfect sense to you and I gain instant agreement with them, it just doesn't land. Right. And so I had to learn how to navigate those discussions in the language that they speak, which is logic and reasoning. Mm, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So here's another question. You know, Romans 10 says, mm-hmm. uh, faith cometh by hearing mm-hmm. and hearing by the word of God. Right. And so we know that that hearing and that word of God component can be definitely logical. Mm-hmm. It's divine and that it's God's word, but it's sure. also very logical. God is reasonable. He's rational. He's logical in the mm-hmm. way that he presents his truth. But there does come this moment of faith 
And so what is the relationship between logic and faith? And, and why is, in many regards, faith more important or superior to even our most, you know, vetted and, and logical statements or arguments? Yeah, sure. So to, to, to the point of, of Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So there is absolutely no substitute for that. Mm -hmm. The lost person must hear and believe on the gospel, right. period. Right. No one can be saved apart from that. However, I do think it's interesting that we find, was it 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where the apostle Paul says, hey, to the weak I became weak. Yeah. Right? By, by, by all means, I, by all means, sorry, I, I might gain some, right? right? I mean, he, so whatever, so in other words, what Paul did, what his approach was, was to, identify as well as he possibly could so that he could communicate the terms of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Well, what did Paul do? Well, he met people where they were. Right. He understood how they thought and why they thought that way. And so he began working with that mm -hmm. to ultimately drive the conversation to the gospel so that he could win them. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think... You know, Paul was incredibly effective at speaking to the the intellect, yes. as well as to the pauper, to the servant, someone you know who who would have been of low education. Mm -hmm. He was very, very uh, malleable in the mm -hmm. way that he approached people, yes. and uh, he makes that point. You know, like you just said. Now, one of these moments where we 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 find him engaging, you know, the intellectuals is on Mars Hill. Yeah. And, you know, he goes before this academy of people mm -hmm. and they're gathered around to hear him make a an argument. Right. Um, it proves to be somewhat effective, not incredibly effective, but some do believe. Sure. Uh, now, what the word that's used it, a lot of times as it concerns Paul in moments like that is that he reasoned right. with people. Right. Exactly. He's reasoning. Yep. Maybe explain this word reasoning uh, from both a, a, a biblical perspective, but also in the way that we use it. Today. Sure. So... Logic and reasoning, they're, they're like a two-sided coin, mm -hmm. right? Where you find one, you find the other, and they, they build off of each other. I mean, they just do. Mm -hmm. And so when, when, we talk about, when we talk about logic, we're talking about following uh, a set of principles of validity, mm -hmm. right? When we talk about reasoning, we're talking about thinking about something in a logical way, right? Right. So you, you go through a process where you're, you're processing, dealing with and addressing this particular topic. Mm -hmm. And so you see it. You, you mentioned the apostle Paul. He used it very effectively. He yeah. used it often. He would reason with people out of the scriptures. He would reason in the synagogue mm -hmm. and Christ used it as well. Yeah. Right. So one, one of the ways that you see that and where Christ would use, I mean, it's plenty of, 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 of areas you see it in the gospels, but, 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 and one of them in particular I think about is, is when he is accused by the Pharisees of, of casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what he, he does in his response is, is he, he tears down their argument by using just basic logic and reasoning. Yeah that they used the problem was was theirs was fallacious his wasn't right his yeah. was sound and true but yeah. essentially what he what he what he did was is as they accused him of that he says well again i'm paraphrasing here but he's like wait a minute if if i'm casting out devils through bills above the prince of devils then is satan going to cast out satan right is he now divided against himself yeah. and how yeah. how shall his kingdom stand right 
I mean, it just shredded their argument. Yeah. It's like, it makes no sense. It, mm -hmm. it falls apart. Uh, the Apostle Paul that we just talked about in terms of him reasoning in the synagogue, reasoning out of the scriptures. In Acts chapter 9, we, we, we see this statement where he's dealing with the Jews that dwelt at Damascus. And it says that he was proving that this is very Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're talking about proof, well, that's a that's a judicial term, right? Right, which absolutely must follow or adhere to logic and reasoning. Yeah, where yeah. okay, here's the proof, right? And so he absolutely exercised it. And so again, it doesn't replace faith, but it is something that I do believe that we can't sell short, and we have to learn how to use it for the advantage of the gospel, right? Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. Mason Wilson here. I'm one of the pastors at Harvest Baptist Church in Iola. And I wanted to share with you how Living Faith Bible Institute has been an invaluable tool for my life and ministry. As a young man, I was zealous for the Lord and for His Word. And so I did what anyone would do when I had questions. I turned to the internet. But oftentimes that would leave me with more questions than answers. And it led to me doubting God's word. And so when, when I found Living Faith Bible Institute, it was a godsend to be able to sit under like-minded pastors and leaders and learn the certainty of the words of truth. And so for that, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for Living Faith Bible Institute. If that interests you at all, please visit lfbi.org and consider enrolling in classes and so maybe just to summarize, logic is the math that you do in your mind. Mm -hmm. It's the analytical, it's the assessing, it's the it's the this plus this yes. that's going on inside of your mind. The reasoning is the dialectic that you engage in to prove, make the evidence, make the case for yes. Christ, um, because Christ is the one thing, you know, yeah. everything should drive us to, to, to reason that direction, right. right? Not our own opinions or our political views or, you know, whatever it might be. Right. Ultimately, we're proving Christ. But then it, it brings a person to a faith engagement. Yes. In other words, at, at the end of the day, all of the logic, all of the reasoning that goes, goes mm -hmm. forth from our mouth mm -hmm. and that conversation that takes place is intended that someone might hear the word of God and then believe, which is ultimately up to them. It is, and and I'm glad you I'm glad you you summarized that because it 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 brings us to to make a very very critical point, which is you know if the believer is not spirit filled, we can engage in a very arrogant fashion when we start talking about logic and reasoning and using it to you know encourage people toward the gospel. Mm -hmm. Or now it becomes well, I'm smarter than you. Right. Well, that's never the goal. But the goal is to use that to say, listen, I, I, I'm doing what I have to do to get you to where you need to be, mm -hmm. which is to see your sin, see the Savior, and hopefully embrace him. Yeah. But the goal is, and again, if, if, if we, and that's where now we never lose sight of Romans 10, 17. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that, that that's where we, we keep this going. Right. Is that you come to the place where it is clear, no matter what you decide, it is clear to you. You know exactly who Jesus Christ is, mm -hmm. what he did for you, and what your response should be. Yeah. You know, and based on what you're saying, I think it's also important for us to acknowledge 
the concept of argumentation versus mm -hmm. arguing yes. in our in our cultural vernacular. Yeah. So like the Bible talks about Paul making argument, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, but that means something much different than the way we often use the term argue or arguing. Maybe right. you can explain the difference between the two. Sure. Paul was 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 arguing to win them, mm -hmm. not lose them. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so his arguments, they were not carnal or fleshly, mm -hmm. or as I just referred to, they weren't prideful. Right. And so, again, he was engaging reasoning in back and forth dialogue, mm -hmm. but he had a clear objective, a clear mission in his speech mm -hmm. and reasoning, which was at the end was to, by all means, win some. Yeah. And with yeah. that, I also think, you know, a lot of times there, there are Christians who feel very strongly about what they believe sure. and they want to enter into these conversations. Mm -hmm. They enter into them with the right intentions, but mm -hmm. but the conversation at some point becomes fleshly. What are the cues that someone might um, consider as they're engaging with people, maybe personal rules or heart rules uh, that would help them to understand if they've kind of crossed the line or or um, they've entered in a place where it's the, the, the conversation is unprofitable? Sure, that's a, very, that's a great, great question. So I, I think first and foremost, as with everything, we never lose sight of the bottom line, which is the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I want to make sure that my speech is seasoned properly. Mm -hmm. Okay. With grace, with salt, right? Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that that's how I'm operating. I want to make sure that I am walking in the spirit of God. And when I'm walking in the spirit of God, I know what's going to come out of me. Mm -hmm. I know how I'm going to handle myself, how I'm going to behave. One of the things that I had to learn was, you know, in Second Corinthians chapter four, Paul makes this point that if our gospel will be hid, mm -hmm. right, we know who's hiding it. Yeah. So what I've had to realize is, is whenever I'm engaging a lost person with the gospel, I, in that moment, I am at the forefront of spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. There is an intense battle happening in real time, mm -hmm. right then and there. What's yeah. happening? Well, the light of the glorious gospel, the Holy Spirit is trying to shine that into the dark soul of this lost person, mm -hmm. right? But then Satan is trying to keep the gospel hid. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that God had to teach me was whenever I'm evangelizing is to make sure I have an ongoing prayer dialogue with God mm -hmm. where I am I'm talking, I'm listening, but I'm also praying mm -hmm. because I know what's happening here. And so in the end, I think one of the things that helps us to stay between the lines and not cross lines when we're evangelizing um, is to make sure that I understand, hey, this is spiritual. Mm -hmm. This isn't personal. This isn't about me. This isn't about, you know, sometimes lost people can say things about our Bible. They can say things about our Savior. And you're like, hey, man. Yeah. You know, and say, right. no, no, wait a minute. No, lost people think lost things. Mm -hmm. They say lost things and they do lost things because they're lost. Right. Yeah. And their father is the God of this world. Mm -hmm. And so he no doubt influences their thought. He influences their speech. So if if I'm walking in the spirit in that moment, I can discern that. I mm -hmm. know where that's coming from. Yeah. They don't know where it's coming from. I do. Yeah. And so that protects me from taking it the wrong way and now getting outside the lines and making this about me and them versus me right. versus them and him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. So now that we've kind of laid a conceptual framework 
for the way a Christian ought to use logic, mm-hmm. how they ought to know the word of God with every bit of their knowing, but then also be a student of the lost world yeah. so that they can in, engage uh, the, the lost with the word of God. So now that we have a framework for that, maybe let's get into the topic of the way the lost world thinks and really addressing, at least at a broad level, mm-hmm. um, some of these secular perspectives. So in, in the course, you refer to um, isms quite a bit, and you use it as this kind of uh, way of addressing all of these big con- concepts that come out of men's philosophy. Right. And within that, you address two specific kind of overarching isms. Right. Uh, maybe you can introduce those to us and explain to us what those two big ideas are. Sure. And I'm, I'm glad that that you brought some clarity to the term isms, because mm-hmm. we, we hear it a lot but it, it, it simply, it speaks to the philosophical systems of man. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there are plenty of them. But in Acts 17, we, we, we meet those two pillars, those isms that, that they all branch from, if you would. Okay. So in Acts 17, where once again, we see Paul disputing or he's, he's using speech and reasoning mm-hmm. as he's dealing with the religious leaders, but also in the markets daily. Yeah. Uh, he's confronted with and he's debating with the Epicureans and the Stoics. Mm-hmm. Well, the Epicureans, they were hedonist mm-hmm. and hedonism at, at a very basic level. It's all about pleasure. That's the bottom line in hedonism. And it despises pain. So anything that's not pleasurable, anything that is not enjoyable, it's frowned upon, which again shows us why historically Greeks in particular, mm-hmm. but even many today struggle with the cross. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because it's bloody, it's painful, and that provokes them to despise it, de-emphasize it, minimize it. But right. without it, right. who are we? Where are we? Yeah. Right. So so hedonism is is it focuses on pleasure. The Stoics, they were pantheists. Mm-hmm. And so pantheism says God is everything and everyone and everyone is is God and and God is in everything. Mm-hmm. All right. That that's a very pantheistic view. Yeah. And it's it's very similar to, to, to polytheism, which mm-hmm. which focuses on or promotes many gods. Yeah, the plurality right? of gods. Exactly. Yeah. And so and so those are the 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 two pillars, if you would, mm-hmm. and and you see variations of them scattered all throughout all the isms that you yeah. deal with and yeah. confront. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting with with hedonism. Um, what we find a lot of times, uh, we find that manifest in our culture today. Yes, I want to ask do. you about that. You know how how the re- the relationship between our culture today and that, but but with hedonism, it's basically um, a refusal of any sort of suffering in Christianity. Yes. Uh, you know, at the center of Christianity, like you said, is the cross. But then. I think everybody knows that uh, to choose Christ is also to choose to to bear a cross yourself. Like you have to obey someone else. You ha- you are in the servitude of mm-hmm. some some other being, and you no longer get to just do whatever you want to do, which comes in conflict with the flesh of every person. Yeah. So hedonism is is really uh, an integral philosophical. Uh, concept in a lot of other philosophies and movements that we see yes and then with with the stoics um it's they were also they weren't just um you know pantheistic uh they were also fatalistic yes and and we see that fatalism like you know the 
the the fate of every man is in the mm-hmm. in the hand of the deity or the deities or outside of our force and so we let things kind of just unfold as they mm-hmm. unfold and, and fate is fate and we see that in eastern philosophies and things like that and so both very dangerous ideas that permeate even some of our cultural and even forms of christianity absolutely we have christianity uh, forms of Christianity, they're very hedonistic. We have forms of Christianity that are very um, uh, deterministic, mm-hmm. fatalistic, and even stoic in nature. And so yeah. maybe you can talk about how those big ideas uh, have worked their ways into both secular and Christian culture. Yeah. Maybe lay that out and tell us uh, how we can be aware of them. Sure. You said a lot, and and we could have spent this whole segment and the next one just unpacking sure. that if you and I were during the week, that's one that probably that, lasts an hour and a half. Right? That would be, so, yes, for sure. Not every day though, but but from time mm-hmm. to time. But so I, I think it's important in terms of of, he, of hedonism to to think about Solomon became a hedonist. Mm-hmm. And and you can see where that took him. It's yeah. very, very dangerous. I also think too that hedonism in particular, it's very anti-discipleship. Mm, explain okay. that. Well, Jesus says, if you're gonna come after me, you gotta deny yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to take up your cross. You got to deny yourself. Well, mm-hmm. there's no pleasure in that. So now what do I do? Right. Right. In other words, I can't have a hedonist heart and be a disciple indeed. Yeah. They're contrary to one right. another. Right. Where you're, see- where you're seeing hedonism and pantheism flesh itself out in our culture is we've come to a place now in our culture where people are living without restraint. Mm-hmm. And again, that, that's very Freudian, mm-hmm. right? Where particularly when it comes to lustful, sensual things, like there are no lines anymore. Right. Whatever urges or desires you have, you should be free to express that yeah. and just do whatever you want to do yeah. with and, whoever you want to do. And according to Freud and many other philosophers, that's the mark of a mature society Absolutely. is um, untethered, you know, sexual pleasure and liberty in, in, in that regard. Yeah. And it grieves God to the core, mm-hmm. right? Because it's very sinful and unholy. And so you're seeing it in our culture now where anything that you can think or that people can think you find expression for. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very concerning. Uh, from a pantheistic perspective, we've come to a place now in this country that, and again, I, I know it's debatable as to whether or not America was really or has been a Christian nation, but but I would say from a a moral and ethical perspective, we definitely had Christian values, Mm -hmm. if you would, that Mm -hmm. were central to our culture. But we've come to a place now where God is whoever you want to make him to be. Whatever that needs to look like to you, you get to make it up as you go. Mm-hmm. So there's the God of the Bible, and then there's the God that man is creating yeah. by the day. And the most troubling thing about that is how much the rhetoric, um, religious rhetoric or spiritual rhetoric, makes you the God. Yes. Right. So whether it's Oprah or whether it's you know some of these prosperity gospel guys Absolutely. on TV are saying, well, you're a little God, so you ought to demand the blessing that you deserve as a as a divine being and and so it's permeating itself in some of the strangest ways absolutely it's finding its way into our to the way we talk in the strangest ways and uh yeah sorry go ahead oh no 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 we're 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 on the same page as sam would say 
I'm tracking with you. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> right. I'm tracking with you. And, and, and I, and I think that's where for me, it reaches the peak of heartbreak mm-hmm. is when you weigh the rhetoric of churches today mm-hmm. and how God is being presented in churches where he's not being presented as the God of the Bible. He is being presented based on what the people want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so because if I present to you the God that of the Bible, the one that God wants me to present to you, then you're not going to want to be here. Yeah. And that's very, very concerning yeah. and disappointing. Yeah. So the fear is offense. Yes. And so the, the, the trumpet, the banner is tolerance, right? But, but what we really mean by tolerance is everybody be okay with what everybody else wants to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's heartbreaking. And, and of course, in those, in those cultures, we can't do the thing that brings God glory. Mm-hmm. We can't make true disciples, mm. right? We can't bear much fruit to the glory of God. We can't have remaining fruit because in those environments, it's not conducive to that whatsoever. Yeah. And so Christians have to be more aware than ever uh, of what they're seeing in the world and how to translate it. Because if we if it just produces anger uh, and it doesn't produce logic and reasoning and, mm-hmm. and, and seasoned speech, uh, then we won't actually get anything done. We'll, no. we'll throw a fit in the corner and right. we'll hide ourselves away and we won't make an impact the way that Paul ensamples for right. us. Right. Right. So tell us how speech and reasoning, you know, that we've, we're offering it again this summer uh, as a self-paced course. Maybe make a pitch for why a, a believer uh, among the fellowship or a, a Christian might want to take this class and how does it benefit them? So they, they aren't just frustrated by what they mm-hmm. see, but they can actually begin in faith to do something about it. That's good. I, so it's interesting. So one of the things that, that we, we focus on early on is the differences between inductive and deductive reasoning. Okay. And the reason that's important is because as a culture, primarily people operate from an inductive reasoning perspective. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about inductive reasoning, we're talking about reasoning that, you know, conclusions are drawn based on observing generalizations, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, this, and as a matter of fact, in our school system, deductive reasoning is is really not emphasized anymore because again, that doesn't run proper with a hedonistic society, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So for example, if we're talking about inductive reasoning, I, I, I could say, I would use it this way. So the Chiefs have gone to the Super Bowl two years in a row. So they're going again this year. Right. Right. That's inductive reasoning. Right. Yeah. And the reality is if if we don't fix our offensive line, we're not going anywhere. Sure. So just so we're clear on that. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty poor. But deductive reasoning, it's it's very it's tied very much to logic. Mm-hmm. And it and it starts with, and again, we 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 touched on this earlier, but it starts with a very strong premise. Mm-hmm very factual driven to the point where, okay, if, if the premise is right, then my conclusion can't be false. Right. Okay. And so what we want to do in speech and reasoning is equip God's students, God's children to think deductively, Mm -hmm. to be able to learn how to make valid deductive arguments where when they're done and they get to their conclusion, 
it's nearly impossible for someone to refute. They can still refute it if they want to. Sure. But the student has made sound arguments. And so what we want to do is, is we want to give them the tools that they need to be as effective as they can in those situations. Yeah, that's good. And so, um, you know, that's our pitch, I think. That's our pitch for people to sign up for the class. I, I do think it does have value. And and we did work particularly hard on, on producing the content. It was only eight weeks. Could have easily been a 16-week course. Yeah. Um, but we, we boiled it down as much as possible to give the tools that, that we believe our students need. And so right. thank you for all of the investment you've made in that. And uh, we're going to have another conversation for another episode uh, coming in the future where we yeah. discuss social justice and yeah. in particular, which is a topic in the course. So we'll, we'll have that conversation. But until then, Kenny, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And again, could not have done this without you. Well, praise God. Yeah. And we want to thank you uh, for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. And if this conversation was intriguing to you and you're interested in hearing more about this course or other summer courses that we're offering, we ask that you'd visit lfbi.org and, and learn more there. Uh, you heard me mention that the summer courses are self-paced classes, which means that they're particularly flexible. A lot of you uh, want to take classes in between your actual university schedule. And so the summer is a good time for you to get caught up. And, and so the self-paced course allows you to unlock lectures after lecture after lecture in a way that fits your schedule. And so we, we believe that it's a really good way to get caught up and, and to learn at the same time. So uh, speech and Reasoning is one of those classes. If you're interested in that, uh, then go ahead and visit our website and learn more about it. But we do want to say thank you for joining us on another episode of The Postscript, and we hope to see you again next week. God bless.